Welcome to week six of college football season. Welcome to the Never Ending Glory podcast college football show. Matt Monner, your host. I'm here with the regular cast of characters. Um, I'd like to shout out to all of our thousands of fans in Serbia to make sure that uh, they know that we're thinking about them. And uh, hopefully they're going to enjoy some uh, college football talk and get down on some bets this week. Uh, right off the top, make sure you follow us on Twitter at NEGPodCFB. And uh, follow Luke and Jerry at Glory Podcast as well. And uh, follow our new MLB Twitter account as well for the uh, baseball show. We had a little podcast previewing the playoffs the other night at MLB. Gentlemen, let's get into it here. Last week uh, was pretty good for the three of us picks-wise. We had uh, Sean with the 9-2 and two mark to lead the week. Schiller and I were 8-3. and three. Farky bringing up the rear at six and five. We have a three-way tie overall. Not too bad. Talking all that stuff, Farky. Hey, I'll tell you what. There's no man that deserves to eat a nice steak with A1 sauce, so that's criminal <laughs> on your part. <laughs> that medium well, please. Hey, man, I would have won 10 and one if it wasn't for my last-minute flip when I thought Chubb was out and I lost by the half point at Tennessee. That's karma, man. You can't you can't go back on the pod. You got to stick with the integrity of the pod. No, I shouldn't. I shouldn't have been on Butch Jones. That's that's on me. Yep, yep. No question about it. Let's uh, let's talk about the football weekend that we saw, guys. Uh, started off on Friday night, and uh, we were kind of eagerly anticipating that uh, Washington Stanford game. And that I, I know at least me. I was at a high school football game and got home, and the game was pretty much already in hand when I got home. So not a whole lot to see. Uh, from that perspective, uh, so let's start there. Friday night, Washington. Um, I, I know Sean watched this pretty much entire game with uh, his brother Mark. Sean, Washington, legit? No. What do you think? Um, I'll say this: I, I heard some stats and stuff after the game. Washington never blitzed and flustered Stanford as much as they did. So I thought that was at least impressive. They can get after the quarterback, particularly their, their two defensive ends. Um, it was a true treat to watch it with. Uh, the brother Mocky, because he had put a little bit of capital on the Stanford Cardinal, and I got a lot of "Oh my God, this guy sucks" from uh, from Mark as as Washington got out to the early lead and pretty much um, held serve the rest of the way and, and dominated. Neither of us were terribly impressed with Washington. I will say that you can tell Chris Peterson's starting to get a program built there because they've got speed in some spots that you need it, defensive end that I aforementioned, as well as some of the receiver and, and some of the scat back position. So um, I wasn't overly impressed with Browning. I think there's 15 pounds there before I'm even going to pay attention to him um, draft-wise uh, or as NFL prospect-wise. He misses reads. He's got a little bit of system quarterback to him. So I wasn't, like, top five impressed with Washington. They're a good team. They're not going undefeated. And uh, Stanford, I think everybody kind of felt like they were probably full gold as it was. Yeah, the, the only thing I'll no say. Athletes on the inside. Yeah, the only thing I'll say that was was kind of impressive that I saw was that Washington, at least in this game, kind of out-Stanforded Stanford, if you will. They doubled him up in total yards, outrushed him 214-29, Stanford was the team that was heavily penalized. They committed 11 penalties. Washington, 9 of 12 on third down. They couldn't get them off the field. It was uh, it was kind of flipping the script a little bit on what, what Stanford usually does to other teams. You know, the other un- unsung thing, for those that watch this game, they know exactly what I'm talking about. The Seattle and Washington crowd 
has the dopest old school sweatshirt gang game around. I mean, they had the old school '90s Husky gear that was just flashing like crazy. Either of you other guys watch this game? Have anything to chime in on that? I mean, Sean really covered it pretty well, um, I, but I do think with this win, um, I think it's pretty easy to figure out what you know what's going on with this playoff right now. I think the first, the top four kind of set there with Ohio State, Washington, Bama, and Clemson. I believe after this weekend, Houston's. I think they're going to be number five and stay there until one of these teams loses, or um, they got a showdown with at Louisville later on in the year, so they can easily play themselves in if they're undefeated with. Wins against Louisville and um, and Oklahoma opening weekend. I, I don't see how you can't have Houston in. So I think the top five when it comes playoff-wise after this weekend is pretty set in stone. And obviously there's going to be chaos and other stuff that happens. But I think that's where we are right now. Yeah, I thought, uh, I thought that it was pretty much a, a team effort on Washington's part. I, I like Stanford here. That's what I picked during our pod last week. And um, I, really, I really thought it was going to be a closer game. I'm sure most people did. But... There towards the end of the first half, Washington just kind of marched down the field and put another score, and I think they went up 23-0, and it was kind of at that point where I thought, wow, um, unless they get McCaffrey involved early in the second half, it's it's going to get away from them. So, yeah, I was impressed with Washington. It's Washington's team effort. No gaudy numbers really from anybody, but, but they did what had to be done. They kept McCaffrey in check, and uh, defense played well and caused some turnovers, and the game just continued to spread. So Saturday, this is really the first weekend all year that I was able to kind of spend a whole day watching college football. So this just was a great weekend for me. So we had a little podcast viewing. Of course, Farky couldn't attend because he lives, you know, seven states away. But uh, Shill and Sean uh, came over for a little podcast viewing, and we got a, a taste of the hilarious first five minutes of the Notre Dame-Syracuse game when there were five touchdowns scored in five minutes, and Schilling almost hit his overbet in the first half. And then still had the audacity to be a little concerned. Let, <laughs> yeah. Let's not skip over that. <laughs> yeah. Hey, it's never over it was till amateur time, hour by, by Mr. Schill. <laughs> and then we had, well, we had two TVs going. We were watching the Ryder Cup along with some college football. But this, the 3.30 session of games, we focused on that Florida State-UNC game. And uh, Schilling had to leave before that game was over, but I – Sean and I were watching it towards the end, and, and right when UNC was lining up to kick that 54-yard field goal, I almost – I didn't say it. I'm glad I didn't say it, but I almost said, you know what? He ain't making this. There's no way he's making this. The kick goes up. It's good. Sean stands up, looks at me and says, I'm out. Walks out the door. That was it. And Not you know what? Charger. Had to come back. Yeah. And as a Notre Dame fan, I know exactly how that feels because I feel like we've lost about 12 games like that in the last 10 years. But I'm curious, Sean, how how'd the rest of the day go after that? Was it like a drive home in silence type of thing, and then like be too disgusted to watch any other games the rest of the day? Or yeah, I mean, that, that that, that's pretty that's pretty close to to how it kind of played itself out. I mean, pure and utter disgust. Um, you know, I was probably at peak rant maybe Sunday into Monday, maybe Monday driving into work. Um, since then, you know, it's been a couple of days. I've, I've tapered a little bit. I haven't watched the Showtime show. I'm not planning to watch the Showtime show. I'm not doing and trying almost not to think about the game at all until, you know, the the Spears take on the, that ugly U hat coming up this weekend if, if they can get it in with the hurricane coming. Um, 
I, you know, I had Iran on the defense and all of these things. It's just the same old, same old. Um, there's Jimbo continues to coach pro style in a game that is becoming more and more high schoolish. Um, and he made that point in the presser yesterday and, and talked some of those things. He, they're all valid points. They're logical points. The downfield blocking, the kind of throw behind the line cheating that takes place, the, all the RPO run pass option stuff, all valid points. But even Nick Saban has changed his game to, to kind of um, utilize more of, of this style and, and this, this type of offense. Defensively, we're just in the Stone Age. Um, it's too complicated. You have too many young guys that don't understand complex schemes. You don't have the 2013 defense that, and that 2013 team that is. You start looking at the pros on across both sides of the ball. They're riddled NFL starters. I mean, they're everywhere. They don't have those guys on this team that they're trying to run the same defense with the same personnel, and it's just not there. It's driving me insane. We're giving up 30 a half. Um, you know, we've had we played the toughest offenses in the country, like Charleston Southern. All the other games are legit offenses. Yeah. Um, even South Florida, but it's still no excuse. We recruit too many four and five stars. It's like Notre Dame; these guys can't cover anybody. They still have pedigree, and they're not playing even remotely to their pedigree. And the problem is, some of these guys are leaving and going to the pros and playing back up to their pedigree. So. Yeah. That, that points it um, solely on a couple people. I think it's scheme-wise with Jimbo. He's not he's being too rigid with it, um, both offensively and defensively. And then his defensive coordinator, Charles Kelly, is just good man. Players love him and everything, but teams are terrible. Um, they're, if you're two, three years behind, ask us when I was on. You, you are light years behind in college football. Yeah. You have to constantly be evolving. We're not doing that. It's pissing me off. Um and we lost again this season to a team that we've got better personnel than. The only team we don't this year is Clemson. And I, I'm concerned with how this Clemson game could go in a couple weeks. Yeah, I mean, you, you watched it. We, we both watched it. And we were just kind of sitting there going, how easy is this right now for Mitch Trubisky? I mean, he's just stepping back. Florida State defensive backs are 7 to 10 yards off the ball. It's an easy pitch and catch for, you know, 7, 8 yards a pop. He was 31 for 38. And, and not a lot of those th- throws were difficult throws. So, tough day for the I mean, Offensively, we did everything we wanted to. Dalvin Cook had massive holes. Yeah, they had 600 yards. And yet, yards. We're, we're behind the whole time. Yeah, 600 yards. And, uh, and, and, and yeah, like you said. And we're dis- kicking field goals. Yeah, dis- we're dis- kicking field goals in a game that you need to get to 40. And yeah. we're kicking field goals yeah, that's, that was early on and through the game. Yeah, that was the other thing. Uh, so that that game ended, and uh, Sean probably didn't get a chance to see how the Tennessee Georgia game ended because that was about twenty I minutes after he left. Uh, but that was wild. I know Shilly, you missed this game too, didn't you? The ending. I missed the ending of the Florida State game, and you know, it kind of brings up a topic: when, when is college football going to start staggering these games? Because the end of the three thirty games was crazy. I texted you guys thirty forty five minutes after. The Florida State game was over. I didn't know Florida State lost. I was too busy flipping between about four other games that I didn't even realize that North Carolina drove down there and kicked the field goal. I thought it was over once uh, Francois got in the end zone. So I went immediate dark until Sunday. So I, I, I followed text. I didn't reply to anything. Yeah, I yeah I know how that goes. You, 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 it ruins your day because you're so pissed that you don't want to watch any of the other good games that are going on. So it, I, I know exactly how you felt. But 
uh, I mean, to to answer your question, Shelly, I don't know what to do about that because there's you know every week there's five six games that are that are crazy like that. It seems so. Uh, I mean, I don't really know what you can do unless you, uh, just, you unless you put two primetime games against each other. Or just start staggering the games. Yeah. I mean, keep, keep Notre Dame home games at 3.30, Ohio State Michigan at noon, you know, the regular ones, but why can't you start games at 1 and 1.30? And well, Notre Dame used to play at 2 and 2.30 all the time. Yeah, they used to. They used to. I just don't see how you can have two big SEC games, Notre Dame, um, Ohio State or Michigan, and, you know, Michigan State, it always seems like there's two Big Ten, two SEC and, um, you know, in another game that kicks off at 3.30, and it's like, well, two or three of these can be really fun at the end. Well, then you, you know. get the whole thing, too, and we had this on Saturday, too, where the noon game goes into the 3.30 game, so then mm-hmm. two fan bases are pissed because they can't start, uh, see the start of their game unless they want to stream it and It's online. a blowout. Yeah, yeah, and it's, you know, it's not even worth seeing the end of the 12 o'clock game because it's a joke, but... Anyhow, we could spend a whole podcast on that. We're not going to. Um, if, you, if you didn't see it, Tennessee and Georgia had three touchdowns scored in the last three minutes of the game. Um, this game was another classic Tennessee uh, adventure. They're down 17-0. Uh, they come back, take the lead 21-17 on a strip sack uh, of Eason in the end zone. Actually, it was 28-24. They strip sacked Eason, which I have no idea why Georgia's throwing out of their own end zone with the lead with three minutes to go in the game, but they did. Uh, and then Eason makes up for it, throws a touchdown with 10 seconds left. They get a celebration penalty on the kickoff, and Josh Dobbs throws a Hail Mary, 43 yards. Juwan Jennings catches it. Farky, did you happen to catch this game, and uh, what did you think of it? Yeah, and I caught the end of it. it, it this is the same thing like the unit said, which I did I did like his shout-out to Roxanne Bruns from uh, the, the Whistles Go Whoop where it's driving him nuts. I got I caught that subtle shout-out to him. Um, that's what this game did to me with Tennessee because I had Georgia again, thought I was thought it was on the right side with picking a, an SEC home home team. Well, you were. You covered. Unless you had the money line. No, no, I had the money line in a parlay that I would sent you guys. I don't know if you ended up posting it or not. I, I covered on the pod here, but, but I had Georgia on the money line, and I felt good most of this game. But, my God, just back and forth, back and forth. It was driving me nuts. <laughs> and and, and he, everyone knows the two big plays, the two Hail Mary passes that kind of happened. What happened in between that was Butch Jones getting lucky yet again. I have no idea – Georgia, why they didn't kick it deep? Tennessee is set up. I know. Tennessee is set. Oh. Butch Jones has them set up for an onside kick. Why? Well, I know. And what's, what's Georgia do? They pitch it down there instead of just punching it in the end zone. So, Butch Jones gets rewarded for being an idiot. You know, here we go again. Well, I mean, Kirby Smart oh. kind of out Butch Jones. Butch Jones really is what happened there. <laughs> oh, Butchy. <laughs> Let me ask you guys this. Does Tennessee start to have a little 2003 Auburn to them? Yeah, I was no? going to actually bring no. that up. 2013, you oh. mean? Uh, just some fluke plays, and then all of a sudden they play one game against Alabama, and that's the only game that they really have to show. Yeah. Um, I mean, actually, I mean, they've got three wins already. They should have three or four. Well, actually, it, it, Georgia, Florida, and uh, what, App State? Like, here, they, they should have three losses. Here, here's right? the stat, okay? Uh, Tennessee has trailed in double di- by double digits in four of their five games. They were down 13-3 at Appalachian State, 14-0 to Virginia Tech, 21-0 oh, to right. Florida, and 17-0 to Georgia. 
and they're five and zero. Well, that's because according to Dobbs, they have the most competitive team in the nation. Right. So, um, right. and and the most the biggest fight of any coach in the nation. Uh, they're gonna find out in a couple weeks when they uh, they play that team at Tufts or Tuscaloosa. But, but to your point, Knoxville. To your point, Sean, I agree. Thirteen Auburn. Even even 2012 Notre Dame was kind of the same. They got lucky about three or four times and had one huge game against Oklahoma, which is really all they had to, to play to get into the national championship. Even 14 Florida State a little bit, the way they kind of pulled some games out of their hat all year long too. Yeah, yeah, I agree. So, yeah. That team was super, super talented. Correct, but, yeah. yeah. I, I agree. That's the difference. But uh, a couple more games that we kind of focused in on. We really didn't spend a lot of time watching the Michigan game because that just kind of got buried among everything else that was going on. Uh, for all intents and purposes, that was actually the one consensus pick that we lost as a group. We were 5-1 and one in our consensus picks. Michigan should have covered this game. They outgained Wisconsin by almost 200 yards. Um, they missed two field goals early on that, that should have put them up 13 going into halftime. They were only up seven. Um, but but all intents and purposes, they should have covered. I'm going to memory bank this game because, i, I got to be honest, it, it, it actually told me more about both teams – but opposite directions. Wisconsin might be a little bit better than even I gave them credit for. And Michigan, to me, is overrated. I, you guys talk about the top fours already set. I, the only reason if Michigan would be in your top four is because of their name and their tradition, because they've done nothing on the field as far as beating opponents and then beating them and handling through the game that would indicate that they're better than, than Houston. And, I, you know, Louisville is still right there from what I saw Saturday night. Yeah. Yeah, they didn't do anything to Wisconsin, hurt themselves. Wisconsin just ran out of gas. They were like one for six on third downs in the fourth quarter. I I didn't pick them, but I I did say I, I really like Michigan. Thought they were a lot better than they were, but I also said I really like Wisconsin. And I I I'm with you, Sean. I really do now. And they've got some real fight in their defense, and they're they're much more athletic than what they come across as. Well, the Wisconsin has indeed, you know, they're able to make games pretty ugly. But to Sean's point, when we talk about these top six teams, Michigan's not part of it because I don't think they, they can't score with these other teams right now. So, yeah, they can't make field goals. So but here's the thing. I don't know that you should be kicking field goals. I told you guys on Saturday, the worst thing that, that happens with Jimbo Fisher and, and some of these other teams if you have a good kicker, you're better off having a bad kicker because you're more aggressive inside the 40, particularly the 40s to the 20s. You're just you're always playing four down football versus three down football like Bama. And in college football, those fourth and sixes are a lot easier to convert than the NFL. So, hell yeah, especially with all the that lineman downfield stuff. Absolutely. Seven's more than three, so that, uh, that's why I'm usually the go-for guy, especially in college football. There's that's, your math that's lesson. That's the university act right yeah, there. there there's your math lesson for the day. Well, I also, I also found out it, it solidified my thoughts on how weird Jim Harbaugh is when I found out during halftime of the game that he stayed at, at Quinn Norton's house overnight on a recruiting visit. So, um, grow up, Peter Pan. <laughs> One more game to get into from last week, and then we'll fast forward to uh, to week six. The The game of the week was um, Louisville and Clemson, and this turned out to be a really, really good game. I watched all of this game on Saturday night, and uh, we all had Clemson. I, I had him to close a parlay, too, on the money line. So as a very uh, invested fan for the night of Clemson, it, it went from being really frustrating early on to 
really awesome in, late in the first half when they got on a roll and seemingly were blowing Louisville out. And then all of a sudden the, the second half starts, Watson throws a pick, and then it got very interesting as Louisville went up by 8, 36-28, forced Clemson to come back and uh, they scored to make it 36-34, didn't get the two-point conversion, forced a three and out, went down and scored again. Um, and then, uh, obviously, Louisville had a chance at the end, couldn't put punch in the end zone. But uh, really, really good game. The uh, The box score is is crazy. Louisville ran 99 plays to 62 for Clemson, just a, an astronomical difference. They had the ball for over 37 minutes, forced five turnovers. And uh, Lamar Jackson, honestly, played pretty well. Deshaun Watson at times did not play well. But at the end of the game, when he needed a drive, he was able to take his team down and, and drive 85 yards for the for the winning score. What did you guys uh, think about this game, if you spent a lot of time watching it? Hopefully you did. The one thing I take from it, since a lot of people are going to talk about the quarterbacks here, is Clemson's front seven was super impressive. Uh, we mentioned their speed, and this is easily the toughest defense Louisville would see. But the way they really kept Lamar for the most part in the pocket, I mean, th- that guy's a freak. He's a heart attack to have money against. Um, I hope to never do it again, but I'm sure we will here in a couple weeks. I, I, Watson has to play better, but I was really impressed with Clemson's front four or front seven the entire game. Sean, were you too depressed to watch this game, or did you actually spend some time watching it? No, I watched it. I actually watched it in, in kind of a pretty neutral state, and I, I got to be honest. I think the the better team lost. Um, I, it, I, I for as much as Clemson showed it in flashes. I don't see enough consistency from them. And Louisville had plays left on the table. There's still meat on that bone. Yep. Uh, now, they won't play again unless it's the four-teamer, and however that's that's going to manifest itself. But uh, I, unless there's injuries or something comes through, I think Louisville's a better team. And to play as close as they did and basically have a receiver that didn't fight for a first down uh, as the thing yeah. and, and to have a, a – a, fluky five-yard penalty that they shouldn't have gotten right before that. Um, there was a lot of twists and turns there, but, you know, Louisville had that thing in their hands. Yeah, Sean, Sean took a little bit of my take there. I was going to say kind of the same thing. I, when this game was over, I was convinced that, that Louisville deserves to be one of the playoff teams. Now they could just take a dump. I don't know, but I doubt it. But anyway, I won. Yeah, I mean, did, I, what, did it have the Notre Dame, um, Florida State feel from a couple years ago? Yeah, Maybe. yeah, exactly. I and, and I was shocked. I was just asking myself. Watson had four turnovers and they won. It was just it was a really strange game, and it, it didn't make sense that Clemson ended up winning because I, I I really thought Clemson was maybe a seventeen point win. I just thought that they'd they'd make a statement here at this game, and Louisville just continued to impress me. And that, they just they get so many yards on offense. Yeah. Well, here, here's what was interesting about the game. Louisville, six of their seven drives were seven plays or more. So Clemson didn't give up a lot of big plays, but Louisville continued to drive down the field. The problem is they settled up for two chip-shot field goals, one right at the end of the first half and one in the third quarter on 13-play drive and an 11-play drive. So they didn't get seven out of those drives, which killed them. The, the third quarter one made no sense. Yeah. The, the halftime one is just get points on the board yeah, with going yeah. into half of them. I, I the third the, quarter made no sense. I think that was like a 20, uh, 20 less than 25 yard. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So, I mean, that one didn't make a lot of sense. Clemson, on the other hand, almost all their drives were four plays or less, except for the last one. So, really, uh, really interesting the way the game played out. And going back to the quarterbacks, I mean, Lamar played well. But Schillig, we've talked about this, and he's brought this up uh, on Twitter and on the pod. 
when they get inside the 20s, he does an awful job. He doesn't even read anything on the read option. He just keeps the ball every time. And, and Clemson actually finally wised up and was able to, to get him for a minimal gain several times inside the 20-yard line. He's the guy you double on game point. Yeah, you, you double on game point in a pickup game. Yep, that's that's a good analogy. Shell. Yeah, he, he's got a trophy to win. The only time the running back gets the ball inside the 20 is when they go to the pistol and it's a straight handoff. Other than that, he is keeping the ball. It's, it, it, it's unreal. And, and I'll tell you what, I don't need Dabo, Debo talking shit to me about my pick, telling me it was a rough night for all you guys that picked Louisville. He's he's getting on my nerves. And he's, yeah, he, the other thing is he's just as much on the wrong side. Because at the beginning of the year, Clemson was supposed to win that game by six or seven at least. Or wasn't even higher than that show? Uh, I think it was six. I think you're right, yeah. six or seven. So... So, Dabo, your team's underachieving. That's how that line went there. And, and it also is the betting public. It's where the money goes, partner. Right. And that, that crowd celebrated way too much for a game you're supposed to win. Yep. That Clemson always, always celebrates that hard. They can be number one in the country, and they're going to storm the field. And in 2013, we rolled that ass. All right, let's move on. Let's move on to week six here, gentlemen, and let's uh, let's start with kind of the game of the week here. This is the game day game, uh, Tennessee Texas A and M in College Station. Kyle Field should be rocking for this one. Uh, we already talked a little bit about Tennessee. This is one of the bigger games ever that Texas A and M has hosted. Now the problem is under Kevin Sumlin, they are two and six at home against ranked opponents. So uh, this is uh, this is one that's kind of tough to call. The line right now is seven. Texas A&M is a seven-point favorite. Uh, Farky, how do you see this one? I'm going to take the Aggies. I have a feeling you guys are all going to take uh, take the Bulls, so it gives me maybe a chance to jump back in front here. Uh, I guess I'm just I'm really hoping that the Bulls end up playing down to the level that I believe that they should keep playing at. But I could be wrong. I think the Aggies win big here. I, I Actually, now that I recall, I think Sean, you may you may be going this way, but um, I, I like the Aggies here. Yeah, I, I like the Aggies too. I just I, I'm gonna you know, start going against Tennessee. Um, and if they keep proving me wrong, maybe they they will be the uh, Cinderella Auburn team from a, from 13. Farky, do you listen to this pod? Do you think you think we're all backing Butch Jones here, baby? <laughs> Gosh. Um, one thing I do want to point out is something just felt like a lot there when he said that. Well, I'm going to mention this, too. That seven's getting juice. So if you want to take Texas A&M, you can wait it out. And I, I, I believe some six-and-a-halfs are going to start showing up. Wide well, open at seven-and-a-half, so a lot of the money's on Tennessee to start. Just let Jimmy Haslam put a little bit of cash down on, on Vols, and that, and that line will move down, and then I'll be stealing from the owner of the truck stop. I think one thing we'll notice, and I don't know how much of Texas A&M you guys watched, but their defense is very, very good, so... I, I expect Texas A&M here to cover. Well, does Floyd Mayweather bet college football? Because that, that could move a line, too. <laughs> so who knows who he's taking? He used to bet Johnny football. Yeah. <laughs> um, boy, this is this one was really tough for me. I, I, I wrote down Texas A&M. First of all, I will not be betting this game. I, I don't like it enough to put money on it. Uh, I, believe it or not, am going to take Butch Jones in the seven points. I just think that uh, – this team is one of those teams that is going to have a pension all year to play really, really close games. I don't think they win the game, but I think they cover the seven. Alabama, the number one team in the country, going to Arkansas. This is a really crucial stretch for Alabama here coming up. Their next four games are at Arkansas this week, at Tennessee next week, 
A&M at home and at LSU. That's quite a schedule, especially considering they've already played Ole Miss and USC. Um, so that's a hell of a first two months of the season for Alabama. Um, Arkansas has, in the past, a couple times here in the last five or six years, given them some trouble. Haven't beaten them, but they've played them very close. This line right now is 14. Alabama is a two-touchdown favorite at Arkansas. Sean, your thoughts on this game? Um, I think it starts out Arkansas strong. I'm going to take I'm going to take Arkansas on the points. That's a lot of points. Yeah, I agree with that. Uh, Harris a little banged up. Um, Arkansas is a very good dog. They are awful at being a favorite. So in this scenario, um, I'll take Arkansas on the points as well. I'm going to take Alabama. Um, Austin Allen worries me a little bit with that line being 14. I think he could keep it closer than that, but uh, I think Alabama is, is, is going to prevail. I'll take Bama 14. I'm going to take the points as well. I think Arkansas can maybe match Alabama physically a little bit better than some of the other teams in the SEC. I think Austin Allen's been playing pretty well at quarterback, enough to keep them in the game. Something like uh, maybe 28-17 seems like it could be in play here. So I'm going to take the 14 with Arkansas as well. Talked about Washington earlier in the podcast. They have an interesting spot this week going to Eugene to play Oregon. After a week of everybody telling them how great they are since they pounded Stanford, um, then they're going to get an Oregon team that's got a quarterback controversy going on. Mark Helfrick's starting to take some heat. Oregon is getting eight and a half points at home. Schillig, I know this is normally a spot where both of us would be taking Oregon in the points, but I personally, I just don't know that I trust Oregon enough to do that uh, with an actual bet. But for the podcast's sake, what do you what do you think here? I mean, or- Oregon's definitely the spot, and usually I would just click, you know, confirm bet and just be done with it. Uh, the, the first two games I really like, I can see myself having – a&M minus six and a half and Arkansas plus points. The rest of these games, I think we're getting to the point in the season where the lines are really tightening up. Those spots just aren't as easy to come by anymore. This is obviously it. Oregon's 0-4 covering a spread this year, and I've been dogging them since they played Nebraska, and I've made a decent amount of money fading them for a while here. I'm going to go, and Fark is going to love these texts later, I'm going to go outside my comfort zone. I'm going to lay Washington, or I'm going to take lay the nine points. I'm going to take Washington. Yes. Wow. Yeah, we got nine. We got nine or eight and a half. It's eight and a half. Well, that I mean, that was this afternoon's line, so we're going to stick with that for now. It may change, but eight and a half is what we're going with. Okay. And obviously, you know, to all the listeners, we'll be posting this at day at day of game. We'll have our picks from from now, which we lock the lines, but then we also make you know the real bets on that day as well, so you can follow along to those. And if you want to make some money, you know, trail us. I I could easily see myself playing like five six games. Pretty much everything we discuss going forward, I, I I can't see how I put any money on some of these games. I'm sure I'll talk myself in a couple, but I don't truth like much this week. Truth be told, I was all set to take Oregon. Them switching quarterbacks is enough for me. I'm taking Washington. They get an extra day to prepare from last week. Um, I, I'm going against Washington, just not this week. Oregon's defense stinks. They give up 43 points a game. This is where I get a little disappointed that Oregon's kind of fell off the wagon in terms of uh, just their overall talent and uh, in the type of seasons that they usually have, I think it'd be a really fun matchup. But uh, because they're not where they're at and they've been beating up on these other teams for the last five years or so, I think these other teams are all really hungry to put it on them. So I'm going to go Washington. This is a tough line. I am going to actually take the points with Oregon here. First of all, it's funny to me that they're, they're having a quarterback controversy 
Uh, Dakota Prukop, the senior, was replaced last week by a freshman, Justin Herbert, and they haven't really said who's going to start. Prukop may keep his job. They're not sure. But the defense is the, the unit right now that's having the issues, and they're having a quarterback controversy instead. Their defense, like Farkey just said, is terrible. Um, but well, I they, think they still got 35 on Nebraska. Yeah, I mean, they, Nebraska they, they've scored is... at least 32 points in every game. So their offense isn't exactly been chopped liver. I think they're going to be able to score enough points this week to keep it close. Again, I don't think they win, but I'm going to take the – basically when I looked at these lines and hated them all, I just said I'm just going to take underdogs and hope I break even because if all these favorites cover, then shame on me. But that doesn't usually happen. So I'm going to take the points with Oregon and eight and a half. Uh, Red River, uh, you, you, that was so sound that I already regret my pick. Well, let's hope I'm right because a lot of times I'm not. Red River Shootout. Uh, this takes me back to Vegas last year, watching this in the uh, Monte Carlo Sportsbook. Uh, Oklahoma and Texas, and it really feels like the same kind of scenario as last year. Charlie Strong is again under fire. He has demoted. We didn't get to say he gone to Vance Bedford. He's still on the staff, but he's been demoted, uh, and Charlie Strong is now taking over the defense this week. It's pretty much uh, his last stand yet again. Neither one of these teams can stop anybody. It's a classic Big 12 game. Texas is getting 10. It's a neutral game, of course, in the Cotton Bowl. Farkey, what do you think? Well, I'm going to go strictly against your philosophy, and I'm going to take a and in the points. They're not playing. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> is a and now in the Red River shootout? Do they, they have a third team in that series? They don't play either of those teams. They're in the SEC now. <laughs> is this a Pac-12 game? Oh, I got to quit doing Are we this. back on that A&M SEC I got to quit, quit doing this. I was searching for <laughs> a YouTube clip to play. I wasn't expecting him to call my name first. This is, this is right. the second time in four weeks that uh, he's, I, he's... I know. I, and it's always with A&M. <laughs> I don't know why. Okay. One, two, three. No, you, we'll keep it. <laughs> no. I'm just going to start. I'm just going to... Just come on. Who you, you take? You Jay. You do you, man. Whatever you need to do. Why? I'm going to have no control over how this edits. So. That's correct. All right. I'm going to go against Monitor on this, and I'm going to continue to take all the favorites. I'm going to go with Oklahoma. Hopefully, in a short time, Charlie Strong will be gone, and we can start talking about some of these other candidates on this pod. But um, I, I was I was excited, more excited about this team the first week of the season. Ever since then, I found out Notre Dame just actually sucks, and the win didn't mean crap. So. Uh, I'm going to go Oklahoma. This this game is the worst. Um, it could go ten different ways. I, I really Texas sucks, but I'm going to take them. I just think ten's too much. <laughs> I, I'm going to say six. I have no idea what the score of this game is. I, I might go literally one and nine this week. <laughs> I told you it's a lay low Saturday, guys. I, yeah. I might literally only bet five games. These are all ugly. Uh, you heard it here first on the podcast last week. Tom Herman's going to Texas, so I will take Oklahoma. As a good acquaintance would say, it's a great job by me. Yeah, I think Texas garbage. So I, I'm hoping it comes under ten. I might actually, I might bet it, but uh, give me OU. They they showed me some against TCU when they really put it on, and even though it, the score was a lot closer there at the end, but I think this is the Oklahoma team we expected. And now that they're playing teams that play no defense, I think you'll see. Uh, Oklahoma possibly run the table here during the year. Let's go back to what you just said about Tom Herman for a second, because I thought this was hilarious during the week that, uh, well, we know the LSU job is going to be open, and they're probably going to go after Tom Herman or at least you know try and get him to come in for an interview. 
And Texas now is leaking that they're strongly considering firing Charlie Strong. Basically like, hey, Tom, don't talk with LSU because we're going to fire this guy at the end of the year. So make sure you uh, give give us a chance before you sign any papers with LSU. Yeah, yeah Tom, Tom, just we'll give you an oil there. Just give us three months before we can can this guy. So, I mean, if that's really the way they feel, well, I don't know why they just don't get rid of him now. Because, I mean, this is... He's in lame duck purgatory for the next two and a half months, but uh, I'm still going to take Texas again against my better judgment in a rivalry game. I don't think either team can stop anybody. I think Texas can store, uh, score enough to keep it relatively close. I'll take the 10, uh, and, you know, they could lose 66 to 20, but uh, I'll, I'll go down with the ship on that one. What's keeping Texas from signing a contract with Herman saying they promised to fire strong and hire him? <laughs> I, I would imagine there's maybe some ethical issues there. I, I don't know. Night game. Uh, we thought maybe that this game would be affected by Hurricane Matthew, but it looks like they're going to be able to play this one as scheduled. Florida State and Miami. Miami is a three-point favorite at home. We haven't really talked about Miami on this podcast all year. They are undefeated under Mark Richt. Uh, Sean's probably paid more attention to him than, than most people because he's a Florida State fan. I haven't played anybody. Yeah. What's your just your general assessment of, of Miami to this point? It was it was always set up. Uh, you look at the schedule for the season. It was it was always set up to kind of them to be undefeated. I, you know, from a FSU fan, I was I was hoping that we were, you know, one loss or or no losses. I you know I, I kind of felt like we'd have one loss. Um, Albeit, you know, the Louisville in a much more competitive fashion, um, and that we could get, you know, into the playoff as long as we beat Clemson. But and I, because I, I kind of feel the most confident about this. To put it in perspective, this line was Florida State probably six, um, four, five weeks ago, right before Louisville, and it's completely flipped around. And there's not a ton behind it other than Derwin James. Um, and the way they look. this is a good old fashioned rivalry. I, I actually feel pretty confident. I, I'm going to take FSU at any points I can get, um, and if it's three, that's even better. Real quick, Sean, how, I'm curious for your opinion. How how much do you think Fisher's going to get involved on defense? Uh, not much at all. You know, I think maybe he had on Monday or Tuesday. They watched a little bit of film, and he he just he, he he's got his scheme. He says run this scheme, and then he leaves leaves Charles Kelly and the the staff to 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 it however they want. So, I mean, that, that's what's so frustrating about it. Now, I will say that I, I've actually seen some stuff and, and it had some texts with some folks. Saturday night's not a foregone conclusion. They're also kicking around potentially even Tampa as a venue. So there's still some things they've got to assess here over the next 24 hours. They've got to get there, too. Yeah. And if they don't leave tomorrow or early, early Friday, it actually could be more of a logistical challenge to get there than anything. I'm really afraid of playing any of these games that have some hurricane issues involved, whether it's trying to find a good number to play an under because it's coming pouring down rain or whatnot. So there's too many unknowns in this game. There's a huge strength of schedule difference, as Sean mentioned, with who FSU has played, who's Miami's played. Miami looks smart, but are they for real? I I don't know. I took FSU to bounce back against South Florida. I'll take them here again as well. I'm taking FSU. I think Francois is a difference maker here. I think Miami can can do a lot of things right in regards to the passing game on defense. But I, because, like you guys all said, with their schedule, I don't think they've they've faced uh, an athlete like him who can, I guess, punish them for doing all the things right they need to against the pass and then still take off and run. So I'm going to take FSU. 
Yeah, again, this is going to come down to who can get stops. Neither defense uh, is great. FSU's been struggling on that side of the ball, obviously. Um, as I was leaning, I was kind of leaning Florida State, and then I was reading some stuff on this game, and I saw a quote from Mark Richt where he was talking about how they have three freshman linebackers at Miami, and <laughs> yeah, and he <laughs> and he thinks that they don't know what they, they chirp too much. He said, and they don't know what kind of game they're going to be in for on Saturday. So I pray that those linebackers uh, start to feel themselves a little bit and start running their mouths and get Florida State a little bit amped up, and then Florida State just pounds them. Uh, so I'm going to take four, this. I'm going to take four state quarter, plus three. Quarterman, the two kids from Jacksonville, or one's from Jacksonville and the other's I think from South Florida. Um, those, those two freshmen are legit. Like the, those, the, I don't know what rankings they were. I think they were four stars. Those are five stars. Like those, those guys can play. And speaking from some poor linebacker play the last two years, they would start on on at least one of them would start on Florida State. I, I, I wouldn't hear an argument from any FSU fan otherwise. Um, even though they love to say, "Oh, we got this guy, we got that guy," no, the, those two kids can play, like Ray Lewis type stuff. Doma. Those are kind of the bigger matchups of the week. We're going to go kind of rapid fire here through uh, a bunch more. LSU at Florida this week. This is another game that could have some hurricane issues. Not really sure yet. This is in the swamp. Um, LSU is a three-point favorite. Everybody's all fired up in LSU country again. Eddie O with the big win last week. They're back, baby. Florida struggled against Vandy, uh, 13-6, just a horrendous football game. I'm going to take Florida in the points, plus three at home. You guys' thoughts there, Shill? Um, I actually, th- I, you know, I, I'm kind of agreeing with that LSU vibe right now. Plus, um, I read yes or today that they're actually their mascots getting euthanized. I saw that. So, <laughs> yeah, um, teams are actually 14 and six against the spread when the mascot dies the week before a game. <laughs> That's so I would take LSU here. <laughs> Sean. I'm going Florida, just home team. I, you know, their offense sucks. LSU sucks. Just take three points. Jay. I want to take LSU only because Florida's football stadium is now called Ben Hill Griffin Stadium, Steve Spurrier, Florida Field. But yeah, I'm going to take, take the Gators. Okay. Another game that could have hurricane trouble, Notre Dame visiting NC State. NC State is a two-and-a-half-point favorite against Notre Dame. Uh, this, is, this is how far Notre Dame has fallen in five weeks. They're underdogs at NC State. They're playing noon kickoffs with Brock Hewitt on the game. It's pretty depressing I, to be a Notre Dame fan. I just want you to know that this is my favorite game to pick every week now because of your introduction to the game. Well, I, you know, I try to keep it real, Jay. I mean, I don't know what, what else you want me to say. I mean, this is definitely... 100% a no play for me. I will not be taking you the side of this game because I can't trust that Notre Dame will or won't show up. Um, but I'll say this. You, North Carolina State has never hosted Notre Dame. They know they can win because Notre Dame's proven that they're beatable. They might have to score 35 to 45 points to win, but Notre Dame would be glad to allow them to do that, and they know that. So for the sake of the podcast, I'm going to actually take NC State minus 2.5. I'm thinking Notre Dame. NC State sucks. You've watched Notre Dame play, right? They suck too, okay. but you can score. And I'm not sure NC State, other than they're running back, they get enough weapons to be able to score with you guys. Hope you're right. Chili? Uh, I, I agree with Sean. I think both teams stink, but uh, Notre Dame's a little better offense, so I'll take, uh, I'll take the Irish. Jay? Irish, big. Whew. God, that, that makes me feel great. 
Oh, just marked down NC State now. <laughs> That's great. Well, Mike, really? Are you are you are you one of the ones tied for first? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Actually, uh, Schilling's uh, a game behind, so screw him. He's he's off the pace. Jay, your Buckeyes at home this week against Indiana, twenty nine point favorite. I said last week that I'm going to keep taking OSU until they prove that they're not going to kick the crap out of somebody that they should. And this is actually a good spot to take them because Indiana's coming off a big win against Michigan State last week. So I'm going to take the Buckeyes minus twenty nine here, Jay. I'm going to take the Buckeyes minus 29 again for, for pretty much the same purpose. But all I've listened to this week is that Indiana is the, a lot better than they usually are. And, and it's the best possibly team they've had. I still don't think they compete with Ohio State. But this one, in terms of the line, it scares me a little bit because I don't think Indiana's that bad. But I'm going to go Buckeyes. Indiana's defense is better. Their offense is not what it's been the last couple of years. Uh, I actually like the under in this game. So because of that, I think the 29 holds more value. I, I'm a real, real afraid of getting in front of this Ohio State bus, but I'll take the 29 points in Indiana. Sean? Ohio State, told you guys on Saturday I'm done doing this. I took Rutgers stupidly. <laughs> I'm not doing it. I'll take a beating, but I got to take a beating first. Buckeyes. <laughs> yeah, I, I agree with that. Uh, decent game in Chapel Hill, Virginia Tech, and North Carolina. Obviously, UNC, big win last week. Virginia Tech, kind of under the radar, still ranked 25th. Um, I, I see this as kind of a spot for Virginia Tech. Shelly, your thoughts? Same thing. This is a just total spot game. I'll take uh, Virginia Tech. And they're getting two and a half, by the way. Uh, it's two and yes. a half. Um, just give me the money. Yeah, I, gladly. Sean? I'm taking Tar Heels. Screw it. Um, that's a team that can score, so Virginia Tech better get the 35 or 40. Because yeah. UNC is going to get there. Well, well, I think we're just kind of banking on the fact that uh, we're not sold on UNC. Maybe they have a little clunker here. Um, I don't know. Who knows? Could if it be was r- three. I, I maybe think the other way. I think that half point's big. Yeah, Jay. I like North Carolina as well. Um, it's it's hard to root against against Coach Fuente, but I'm going to go Coach Larry Fedora. Is that because he used to coach at Memphis? <laughs> oh, Memphis, man. That's, that's a great that, intro. That's a, that's a tease. That's a tease. Yeah, that's a tease. We'll get there. Uh, BYU, Michigan State, I don't like this game at all for betting purposes. Michigan State's a six-point favorite. Um, anybody with a strong opinion on this game? Yeah, I like BYU. Michigan State sucks, and their linebackers are hurt. Sean coming strong with the analysis this week yeah. of this team sucks. I mean, that's how many, yeah, I was going to say, how many? <laughs> you just don't get that anywhere else. Like, it's these dynamite drop-ins. He's the best color man in the business for nothing, money. You actually, you actually don't. I mean, content really does get old. <laughs> Jay, your pick? Michigan State. You love them. Chili? I think BYU's schedule uh, catches up to Michigan State look awful last week. So uh, I'm not touching this game, but for the pod, give me, give me Michigan State. Let me add to mine. Michigan State because BYU sucks. There you go. I, I, like <laughs> I thought you were going to make a Mormon joke. That's what I thought you were going with. <laughs> no, I'm actually, I'm, I'm, actually, with. I'm pro-Mormon. My sister. Uh, I, just, I, I just don't know how you give six points to Kevin or Connor or whatever the hell the name of the quarterback is because he blows. Taysom, how about that? Oh, I mean, oh, it up. Uh, you yeah. must not watch Michigan State Tyler play another day. Yeah. 
Uh, I, I'm going to take Michigan State also. Um, I just think D'Antonio will have their attention this week. They might actually come out fired up and ready to go. Schillig's point, BYU's kind of been uh, all over the country playing good teams the first five weeks. Uh, I think going uh, on another road trip, uh, they might be in, a little, in for a little bit of a struggle here. I think Michigan State don't discount that they don't drink alcohol and they're used to the travel because of Mormon missions. Well, yeah. Well, here's the thing. This is going to be a low-scoring game. I think Michigan State could win something like 17 to 10. So I'll take that. Um, Colorado and USC. This is another game that I just can't touch because you just don't know which USC team is going to show up. Uh, I do have to think though that maybe there's some betting value still on them based on the way they started. I don't think before the year you could have predicted this would be a four-and-a-half-point line for USC. Well, uh, strange news out of Colorado. There was a guy shot and killed in their football offices yeah, today who I had brandished a machete. So, uh, you know, th- that's one of those things. Like, how, how is the team going to react to that? Because that, that's kind of a little bit of a shock to the system there. So, I like USC. I'm just going purely on talent, um, and four-and-a-half isn't big enough for me. So, I, I'll take the Trojans. Yeah, I actually like this game. You guys all know I've been pretty high on Colorado. I think they're perfect against the spread this year, but I hate them in this spot. Uh, They've learned how to win. They beat the crap out of somebody last week, so they learned how to cover a big spread for the first time ever. But, yeah, I just think USC is the spot here. Jay? Uh, Maybe for Sean Salam, still played for, for Colorado, I'd go there, but I'm going USC. I am going to go USC as well. I just, I just think uh... – Again, like Sean said, I'll take the talent. Uh, I think they win by a touchdown or so, maybe more. I could see and we're all going to be bitching about Clay Helton. Well, actually. yeah. Let's well, just set this up. At least we're all going down together. Listen, this could easily go the other way on us, but I could also see USC winning this game by three touchdowns. So we'll, we'll see which which team decides to show up. Uh, if there's one game I do kind of like this week, it's this one. Washington State, my guy Mike Leach going to Stanford. Stanford's a, a touchdown favorite in this game, minus seven. I just think this is a great spot for them. Bouncing back after getting their tails kicked last week, they get an extra day. Washington State, big win against Oregon. They're riding high. I think this is a good spot for Stanford minus seven. So I will take them. Jay? I'm going Stanford. It's setting up a fantastic rant to play next week on the pod by Leach. Good point. Good point. Chilling? Uh, I agree with that. Plus the line opened up at 12. But for pod purposes, the line's down here to seven. So with, with that value, I, I hate it. I, I think Washington State's going to throw it all over them. Stanford's got to make it ugly from the get-go and just wear them down. But I will take Stanford here as well. Red zone. Red zone opportunities. How does Washington State perform? If they're plus 50%, I love them at the number. If they're below, I hate them. I think we're going to end up with the Mike Leach rant. I think it's because they're going to have about three turnovers inside the 20 or at least a couple turnovers on downs. I'm taking Stanford in the points and a big Christian McCaffrey performance. Two more games to go. I did, not, I, I did not see that being a consensus pick. I'll tell you that much. Yeah, I don't know. I, that's one of the few games I liked, but who knows? What do I know? Um, two games to go. Friday night game. This is uh, at BC, Clemson at BC. Uh, again, kind of a letdown spot for Clemson. I... I like BC initially. It was 17, now it's 16 and a half, so we'll go 16 and a half. This is obviously a letdown spot for Clemson, but and, and BC's defense is pretty good, uh, good enough to keep it close. My issue is, are they going to be able to score more than like seven points? Because if they don't, then uh, Clemson needs to score only 24 to cover this spread. So your guys' thoughts on this game? 
I love Clemson. Uh, too much talent and BC. You, you've got to find a way to get to cover this line. You, you've got to get the 17 points because Clemson's getting 30. Um, I, I, I just don't see it. Clemson. Well, let's make fun of my University of Akron degree again. Uh, over under here is 43, which is very NFL-ish. Does Clemson even want to go to Boston? I mean, who wants to go to Boston, right, Grilly? But they played their competition. They did it against Troy. This is a huge sandwich game. Uh, NC State's next week, which I believe is homecoming, and then at Florida State the next week. I, I, I see no reason why Clemson even wants to go to this game. So, unfortunately, I will take uh, BC in the points here. Okay. Clemson, Georgia Tech beat Boston College at home, and this is going to be a lot worse. I, I don't, I don't even know why I asked you. There's no chance that Jay's not taking the favorite in this game. <laughs> There's no chance he's taking that BC offense because I'll put it: this, you guys have to root for that BC offense. They, come they lost, we don't have lost, to root for them. They lost forty-nine nothing to Virginia Tech. Listen, Just get to fourteen. That's all we I, need. Get I, to fourteen. I, I don't care, and here's why: Friday, I will be at Progressive Field rooting my ass off for the Tribe so I could care less about this game. I'm going to take BC just because that's what I would normally do, so I'm going to stick with my usual guns here. But, uh, yeah, I don't really care. I'm not going to watch it, so whatever. Another Mark, game. We need you to have a two-TV thing going and snap a few updates of, of the score to us. Yeah, I will do that. And just let's play this little game. They lost to Georgia Tech at home by three, and Georgia Tech lost to Clemson by 19, so they have to lose by more than 17 to Clemson. There you go. You have it done. There's a math lesson. One other game that I'm not going to watch because I'll be at the Tribe game on Thursday night, and I think uh, all three of us in Ohio will be. Uh, This is the Memphis Mat game of the week, Temple at Memphis Thursday night. I read something uh, when I was preparing for the podcast that Temple's coach called this a measuring stick game. Temple, (laughs) yeah, I thought that was the funniest thing I'd read all day. Temple and Memphis, a measuring stick game, baby. Let's strap it on and get going. Memphis, ten point favorite. What do you guys think? We got to get Memphis Matt to give us like a thirty second spot that we play before these matchups. We got to pre record him or something just to get his his dynamite drop ins. But he told us last week that we were fools if we bet the opposite. We bet the opposite and we made money. And he's probably washing dishes somewhere at some truck stop, um, you know, and some lot lizard. But uh, so. Contrary to that, though, I'm going to hop on the Memphis train. I'm taking the oh Tigers God. on Thursday night. <laughs> Benedict Arnold, first game we pick on this pod, he already goes against it at what we said about a consensus pick on against Memphis. Temple sucks. Uh, Jay, well, should I pencil well, you in for the Temple Isles bet then? I will not bet Memphis the remainder of the year. I have not bet them yet this year. And I wish I had written down or at least could read the tweets that I'll apologize for from Memphis Matt to all you listeners out there from last week because he consistently just tried to wheel you in. And I hopefully was able to convince you not to do anything stupid. Schilling. This game was still at six and a half where it opened. I would absolutely love it. Um, if he's going to do these 30-second clips, we got to get those sponsored. So those Memphis Matt. Segments. I mean, is there a sanitation company? You know, maybe, someone, <laughs> maybe someone snakes out sewage drains to uh, sponsor that 30-second clip. So, since we have it's going to be a random truck stop in, like, Sheboygan. I, we could just go Buckeye Vodka because you need to drink a lot of it to be able to play some Memphis bet. <laughs> That's true. That's true. Our good folks at Buckeye Vodka will, 
we'll be propping them up with uh, their their annual sales and whenever Memphis plays that night. I gotta say, I hate the fact they beat Bowling Green seventy-seven to three. Bowling Green's the worst team in the country. Hey, listen, <laughs> Memphis Matt laid it out last week. They beat uh, Bowling Green by seventy-four. Ohio State beat them by 67. Therefore, Memphis is better than Ohio State. It's that simple. Well, I hate the fact that I actually just defended that philosophy. <laughs> yeah, he, he literally just used that corollary. That's why I brought it up. Shilling, who are you taking? Temple? No, no. Um, I would love it at 6.5. I'll still take it at 10, even though uh, these are two decent defenses for the quality of game we're about to see. Um, give me Memphis. Well, I'll say this. I lived in Memphis for two years. I've been to the Liberty Bowl, and to call that a home field advantage is an absolute insult. So I'm going to take Temple on 10 here. I think their defense is at least decent, and they're going to run the ball and maybe keep the score down. I'll take the 10. I'm just going to blindly take a bunch of underdogs this week and hope it works out. But uh, I'll You're take going to give me Liberty or give me death. I'll go ahead and take a bullet to the head. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, this could turn out very poorly for me this week on the podcast because I don't like most of these picks, but uh, it is what it is. Guys, uh, anything to add before we wrap it up for the week? No, be prepared to the listeners on Thursday night because it will be a very active uh, tweet game by the, by the pod. Yeah, the, the, the Thursday night you're going to want to follow at NEG Pod MLB because we'll be tweeting a lot of baseball while we're at the Tribe game. How's that reception going to be with forty thousand people there? Well, we're going to be able to well, get Boston that fans on? don't have don't have phones because they're hillbillies. <laughs> I'm hoping really? that I'm hoping that maybe there's not a lot of poser Boston fans at this game like there would be at a regular season game. Maybe that the like actual Cleveland fans bought all the tickets, but uh, we'll have to see when we get there. I guess we'll just notice by the pink hats. Exactly. Exactly. Uh, one more time, let me just plug uh, Luke and Jerry, the Never Ending Glory podcast at Glory Podcast. Hit them up with questions, comments, fantasy football related, or just telling them that they suck. Uh, NEGpod, at NEGpodCFB is where you can find us and tell us that we suck. And make sure you check out uh, our account on Twitter this weekend for some maybe some additional plays that we throw out there that uh, aren't covered on this podcast. But, uh, guys, I look forward to uh, rooting on the Tribe this weekend. It's going to be a lot of fun in downtown Cleveland. Hopefully we get to talk to you next week when the Indians are moving on to the ALCS, but we'll find out. Are you going to be depressed or celebratory, drunk or drunk and stupor? Yeah, we will have a baseball podcast coming out sometime next week, too, to talk about uh, the playoffs that uh, are underway and uh, the ALDS series that we'll be kind of in the middle of uh, by next week. So uh, check us out on all those platforms. Thanks for listening. For Sean Z, Schillig, and Farkey, this is Monar signing off. Enjoy week six, and we'll talk to you next week. Cut the music. For the love of money.